1: Uh, today we have a special guest, uh, Dr. Clay Jones from Biola University. Dr. Jones is the uh, Professor of Christian Apologetics. And Dr. Jones, how long have you been a professor at Biola?
2: Well, this is my ninth uh, full-time year, and uh, thank you for having me join you today. This is my ninth full-time year, and I taught at Biola for a year or so before that as a part-time professor, and Uh, it's been a lot of fun. I'm thankful. I thank God for the opportunity.
1: Thank you again for being on Sound Reasoning. Uh, Today we wanted to talk about uh, Dr. Jones' article that he uh, penned for the Christian Research Journal, which um, showed up on volume 35 in um, 2012, article number 3. The biographical test updated It is very uh, informative, and I thought it would be great and uh, excellent for us to hear more about it and why that's significant. So, Dr. Jones, my first question is: uh, What exactly are manuscripts? I'm sure a lot of our listeners uh, hear the term manuscript and uh, they don't have a very good understanding of it. So, what are manuscripts?
2: Is manuscript actually manu just comes me mean, manuscript means handwritten that uh, they're just actually handwritten and so uh, and we break manuscripts down there's well there's two major kinds of manuscripts uh, there was papyrus manuscripts uh, and those were uh, originally what people would do is just take little pieces of papyrus and and if you lay wet them and lay they strip
1: some of these manuscripts found?
2: That's a very interesting story, too. And, and the answer is they're found all just in all over the place. They're found in places that you would expect. Of course, the most common would be uh, uh, monasteries. A lot of manuscripts are, you know, because, of course, Christians uh, in the church, uh, you know, especially in the Catholic church, Basically, the church, and then of mm-hmm. course in the Greek Orthodox. Not long after that, uh, you had all these manuscripts being collected and by monks and in man- monasteries. We also find actually quite a few. Um, we have thought, I mean, a lot of them come from garbage heaps. Believe it oh. or not, in various forms people would reuse would would take these manuscripts. They'd go to a garbage heap. and grab a bunch of this stuff and reuse it for their own purposes oh. in different ways and, and we would find them there um, sometimes you know now of course in recent days we've, people get them from antiquities collectors because people are looking all over the place for where there might be just a manuscript found someplace. but anyway so they're found every, every place from garbage dumps to uh, you know I mean just digging through stuff uh, but uh, to uh, uh, well monasteries as I said.
1: Hmm. So, uh, who wrote these manuscripts?
2: Well, uh, if you're talking about biblical manuscripts, uh, we think that the authors uh, of, the traditional authors wrote them. Now, that isn't, uh, I should say it's not 100%. What I mean is that sometimes, we think, for instance, sometimes Paul dictated to a scribe, uh, but for the most part, we think, and, and that's obviously we don't have any kind of a problem with that. As some of the original authors, you know, may have dictated to a scribe who wrote it for them. But for the most part, we believe that that Matthew, you know, wrote Matthew, and John wrote John. Uh-huh. Mark, of course, uh, if you uh, hear the, the teachings of the church historians, got his. Uh, the early church historians got his information from Peter and was writing down the sermons of Peter. Right. Paul wrote a lot of his letters, but he may not have written all of them. Some of them he might have been using the scribe and uh, to dictate to. But, but that's basically who wrote it down, either the the actual authors who are listed or somebody who was taking basically dictation for them.
1: So why should we as Christians... Uh, pay attention to these manuscripts um, and and the um, I guess the amount that we have. Why why should we be interested in that?
2: Well, the the thing about manuscripts is well let me contrast this to for instance the Quran. Uh, The Quran has been kept by you know one group of people basically for over the centuries kept control of the quran the trouble with that and, and, and what islamic scholars will say see you know i mean we know uh, exactly what the quran is going to or says and we know it's accurate and we don't have variant readings well they don't have variant readings because they got rid of variant readings that's oh. why they don't have variant readings right. the trouble with that is is it's actually less reliable than And what I mean by that is, is when you have pieces, you know, I mean larger and smaller pieces of the New Testament by the thousands, Greek manuscripts, in different repositories in different places all over uh, the the ancient Christian world, when you have that going on, uh, you don't have the ability for someone to simply go, well, this is what it really should say. Uh, And and see, because when you have one group that's responsible for maintaining, let's say, the Quran, uh-huh. well, that group can alter it any way they want. Who's to say? How, right. how could you double-check? Right. But that's not the case with the New Testament, because there's manuscripts, you know, we, we're still finding manuscripts. I mean, still finding manuscripts. Uh-huh. In fact, I'm going to a uh, thing, uh, Craig Hazen and I, uh, um, who works in our department, runs our department, uh, are going to a thing with Josh McDowell where they're actually going to be reviewing more manuscripts that they found in just two weeks from now because they're finding we're finding we're actually coming across more new manuscripts, more manuscripts all the time. But the fact that we're doing this uh-huh. means and the fact that we keep encountering new manuscripts uh, and some of them very, very early uh, means that we can check the accuracy of our text now from manuscripts that are appearing, appearing from all over the place and it shows its reliability uh-huh. and it also removes the ability for it to be have been tampered with and so manuscripts are very, very important.
1: So which one of those manuscripts are the earliest? Uh, is it the uh, P52 or has that been updated?
2: Well, P52 or the John Ryland's Papyrus, uh-huh. as it's also called, is still our earliest manuscript dating uh, somewhere around 117 it could be a little earlier than that it could be a little later than that but I mean that's kind of a ballpark number that people give out mm-hmm. uh, uh, is is obviously so that is right now officially there are some words uh, actually that, that we may actually right now have some earlier manuscripts uh, there are McDowell, uh-huh. uh, there's some people, some scholars, Daniel Wallace in particular, who's working with this, They think they might have actually found some earlier manuscripts in that, but they're not willing to go on record until this is <laughs> verified by all the scholars in all the various places, because they don't want to come out and go, I think we might even have found earlier manuscripts, but we, you know, I mean, they don't want to do that until they're sure. Excellent. So, but it's, we may have actually found earlier the manuscripts in that. As for P fifty two, which is a portion of uh, uh, John, the Gospel of John, it's it's really interesting because it does verify for us coming from well somewhere around one seventeen or one twenty AD. It does verify for us that we are actually uh, our our New Testaments are actually uh, accurate right. uh, at least. When it comes to that portion of the Gospel of John, back to the one seventeen. Now, some people don't think that John wrote the Gospel of John until like ninety A.D., or at least maybe in the late maybe in the late eighties. Now I don't know whether that's true or not. But if that's the case, then we've got a piece of the Gospel of John that's only thirty years after it was actually written. Right, and so the idea that over time, you know, the scriptures been tampered with and tampered with and tampered with and tampered with, just isn't true. It just it, it doesn't. It, it just isn't true, or simply.
1: Right. So, uh, from what you're saying, in terms of the span of time, whereas the manuscript or uh, that we found has been written um, compared to the. Uh, the date that it was written on uh, matters. So, uh, so, right. it, so you're saying the longer span of time uh, may lead to uh, possible uh, alterations or um, non-realistic data. But the closer it is to the the event uh, of the occurrence of the event, uh, makes it more possible that that it is factual. Is that what you're saying?
2: Right, and that's what the bibliographical test itself is. Excuse me. Very simply, that you know, we're comparing the amount of the overall amount of manuscripts, and uh, compared to other documents, in particular, like Homer, Plato, or Socrates, or whatever. um, uh, We're we're comparing the the sheer number of manuscripts, and we're comparing that. With uh, the earliest earliness of the earliest manuscript that we have, compared to the date of writing, or what right. we call the autograph, we call what scholars call the document that was originally penned—the very first time when when Matthew sat down to write and took his pen and put it on, you know, well, his quill or whatever, and put it on the, the on the parchment. In this case, it would have been on the papyrus. then uh-huh. we call that the autograph, right? Uh, the original document. So we look at the nearness from our earliest extant manuscript to the autograph, and then the sheer number of manuscripts, and then we compare that with other, uh, well, with other ancient books. And when we do that, of course, uh, the New Testament comes out with flying. And so the Bibli- and that, we call that the bibliographical test, as I said.
1: Excellent. So your uh, article in the Christian Research Journal brought up a very important aspect of uh, uh, the bibliographical data, and you were challenging apologists as well as other Christians to make sure that the dates, uh, the, the numbers that we that we have for, let's say, Homer's Iliad, uh, or uh, Demosthenes, or Tacitus, or the other people that we've been citing for a number of years, that we have a, um, an accurate number in terms of the up-to-date f- uh, findings, uh, uh, in terms of quantity. So can you elaborate on that and, and why that's so significant?
2: Yeah, uh, well what I, I, what happened was, is over the years I teach, have been teaching a course for Biola's Christian Apologetics program, our MA in Christian Apologetics program entitled in defense of the resurrection and so I would think you know I want to get into that we really can trust the transmission of the New Testament So really when we look at the New Testament we're looking at an accurate transmission of it and so we look at this and uh, but I and of course and I keep noticing the Christian apologists kept increasing the number of Greek manuscripts and because it, it does increase right um And and so, as the number of Greek manuscripts would increase, uh, I thought, well, okay, it keeps getting bigger. And one day I remember, in fact, I'm sitting right where I was when I thought about this. I thought, that's interesting that the numbers never go up for any of these other manuscripts, like Homer's Iliad, as you mentioned, or Socrates, or or whoever. Mm -hmm. And I thought, well, that's interesting that those. or Sophocles or Plato or Caesar okay. or whatever, how come those numbers aren't going up? So I thought, well, let's take Homer, which is, you know, the New Testament's always been compared to Homer, right. and they've been, you know, we've been saying it's 643 uh, ancient manuscripts uh, uh, of Homer, and we've been comparing that to the thousands of the New Testament. instead of 643, uh-huh. there's actually 1,757 manuscripts of Homer. Uh-huh. And when I saw that, I went, oh, you know, we're, we're <laughs> you know, I mean, we're off by about three times. Right. Three times more manuscripts. And I thought, we've got, a, for instance, on Herodotus, instead of there being eight manuscripts, there's 109. Instead of Sophocles being 100, there's 193. Instead of Plato, there only being seven, there's 210. Uh-huh. And <laughs> and then he was going to be, well, it was going to be an embarrassing moment. Exactly. not want to be proven wrong in a debate in front of an audience and look like because Because even as the audience goes, well, that's a relatively small point. The point is you got your facts wrong. Exactly.
1: appreciate that information because I've I've used the old data myself uh, recently, so when I read the article, I said, uh-oh, I need to look more into it and and to make sure that my facts are straight, so I do appreciate that. So in terms of what you just said, where can I go, where can someone else go to find out the most up-to-date data in terms of quantity of those uh, those, uh, ancient writings?
2: Well, at least right now, uh, at least at this moment, there's no more nothing more uh, more up to date than my article. And I'm thankful to say the entire article is online. Excellent. Uh, and uh, so, and so people can go. Um, you know, sooner or later, somebody's going to come along and update this again. It's a lot of work, Sure. and there's not since there's not a lot of motive to update it again. Simply because you know, I mean, it's not going to change that much in a year. Um, if you know what I mean, because uh-huh. we're only talking about a year, year and a half. Right. And obviously, the numbers aren't going to be hugely different, <laughs> you know, 18 months later. Right. But sooner or later. But right now, you know, uh, people can go to equip.org and look up the bibliographical test updated, and they can see, you know, I've documented uh, all of the more recent numbers.
1: Excellent. Now, my last question uh, deals with. Uh, transmission in, in the Bible uh, specifically the New Testament and oftentimes one of the questions that I get is what is the best translation and so I just want to hear from you in terms of um, if our New Testament which is written in English uh, is coming from the Greek uh, Greek New Testament manuscripts what should we Tell laypersons uh, or other Christians who are interested in finding out uh, the best translation, uh, as they call it, of of the Scriptures.
2: Well, that's a great question, and for some, extremely controversial, as you know, Perseus. Um, I mean, because you have a few people, and they're, they're a minority that are what we call King James only. right? And, and that is, they believe that the King James was just, is the, and some of them, actually, many of them, actually believe that the King James is inerrant. I, when I had my radio show, I used to do a radio program, when I had my radio program, Contend for Truth, I had on to debate uh, a, a King James only advocate, and frankly, he folded up pretty quickly. Like uh, because what they do is for King James. King James was based basically on the, what the manuscript called the Textus Receptus mm-hmm. or received text, and King James is based on that. And what they'd say is, see we have this text, this received text has been transmitted to us, and then we based the King James on that text, and this was done by prayerful men, and so today, some of them will even say that the King James is is itself inerrant. Well, that's, but my question to this fellow, that's mm-hmm. not true, The my question was, what scripture is it that tells us that the Textus Receptus is inerrant?
1: Right. And of course, he couldn't come and of course, uh, there wouldn't be a scripture that says the
2: textus the receptus is an errant. Right. Why should we believe that? Why should we choose to believe that a certain set of texts is more reliable necessarily, uh, you know, than another set of texts? Just because, well, this is called the received text, we're going to say, well, therefore, this is, you know, I mean, this is an errant. And he really had no answer for that. And from then on, it was. It, You know, the whole thing crumbles, because uh, you don't have any logical reason for saying the Textus Receptus is the only text we should trust. And most scholars today say, we shouldn't just look at, we certainly do look at the Textus Receptus, that's Mm -hmm. one of the things that we've used to say, you know, to make sure that our our New Testament is as accurate as can be, but we also look at the thousands of other Greek manuscripts and compare them. Right uh, to see, you know, to find out the best text. So, uh, King James is a fine translation, right. but it's certainly not, you know, I mean, the only one. And, and frankly, I would even say I don't think it's necessarily the best. Right. Uh, I think that um, uh, the New American Standard, if you want a very literal reading, uh, is a very great, is a very good translation. I personally like the uh, English, the new is re- relatively new. I like the English Standard version, uh, but. But I have a Bible program that I get that I got from Word Search, and I will go through. Uh, and I have three Bibles pulled up all the time. Right. Uh, I have the New American Standard, and I have the the English Standard Version, and I have the New International Version, and I use those all the time to kind of look at the various meanings. So I think any of those, I would encourage today's audience. I would say get the English Standard Version or the NIV, or I, I, like I said, I like the NIS. American Standard Bible, I think it's a great translation. It doesn't read very smoothly, mm-hmm. so it's not necessarily my first choice, but I use it all the time because it's so literal to kind of check the meaning of what they're doing with ESV or NIV.
1: Right, I, I appreciate that. I think uh, what you just said would be a huge blessing to the average layperson uh, in terms of uh, the finding out the truth of uh, translations and which ones they should read now? In, in terms of uh, textus receptus, uh, how does that relate to Erasmus writings?
2: Oh boy, that's been a long time. But uh, <laughs> I mean, it, I, it, it, it's I, you know, frankly, it's been too long for me to say that I've studied that particular issue to even know how to answer that question. Uh, obviously Erasmus was a scholar that was trusted but it's been too long for me uh, to even uh, I, I am afraid I, I think I could start to venture some things but <laughs> I haven't studied it recently enough that I'm, I think what i venture might be incorrect so I'd better I'd better skip that
1: I, I, I appreciate that it, the reason why I asked because um, I, I re- read somewhere where they were talking about uh, the King James uh was also built on some of Erasmus' early work. So that's why. Yeah, well, that's
2: what. Uh, yeah, I think that's the case. But like I said, I'd better not go. I'd better not venture farther.
1: <laughs> I appreciate that. Well, Dr. Jones, thank you so much for uh, sharing with us on uh, this episode. Uh, I've been uh, totally edified by this discussion, and I know that. People that are listening also are touched by your responses. So uh, um, we thank you again, and hopefully we can have you come back on to uh, further elaborate on some of the other things going on in terms of uh, apologetics. So thank you again.
2: Very good. Well, pleasure to be with you. Thanks for having me on, Perseus.
0: Thanks for listening to Sound Reasoning with Apologist and Minister, Perseus Poku from Sound Reasoning Ministries. It's our prayer that today's lesson has equipped you to share and defend your Christian faith with boldness. Sound Reasoning Ministries offers training in apologetics, biblical studies, and systematic theology. Join in on discussions on Facebook at Sound Reasoning Ministries. For more information about the ministry, to send an email, ask a question, or support the ministry, visit online at srministries.org. That's srministries.org. Listen again next week at this same time, and remember, Titus 1-9 says, Hold firm to the trustworthy messages has been taught so that you can encourage others by sound doctrine and refute those who oppose it. Sound Reasoning Ministries, SRMinistries.org Hi, friend. Are you stressed, maybe even worried about so many
1: needs around you that you've forgotten you are worth taking care of, too?